This is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, December the 7th, 2022, a day that will live in infamy. Yes, it is Pearl Harbor Day. And uh, so my wife and I have teamed up today with our uh, our homeschooling addendums, so the things that we do in addition to what the kids get through using Excellus Academy. Uh, Dorothy is out there viewing with them right now, like a small documentary on Pearl Harbor Day, so they can know about that. I think it is important to know about key things that have occurred in history. And I spent the morning, I know this has nothing to do with the show so far, but I spent the morning with the kids and we made Kokovin. Kokovin uh, is uh, loosely translated cock and wine. Don't have a dirty mind. Cock is in a male chicken, uh, a rooster specifically. Uh, Kokovin was a dish. I've talked about making it before on the show, but French housewives basically came up with it because you had these old roosters, rolled stewing hens, and one can only eat so much chicken soup and seeking something a little more refined. Uh, so we had a we had a chicken fatality yesterday. Um, Charlie failed in his duty, but I think I know what psychologically happened in his head. A hawk came, tried to eat one of the chickens. Braylon saw this, I didn't. He came and got me. And the hawk was attacking a chicken, and another chicken was attacking the hawk, trying to defend her friend. And the hawk eventually gets the chicken. Charlie ran out and killed the chicken. I'm not even sure he killed the chicken. I think the hawk might have taken... Uh, taking a chicken out with uh, the way that it, you know, hit it with its talons. I'm not sure here, but he grabbed the chicken and ran away, and he had the chicken. He wasn't destroying the chicken or trying to eat it. He just had the chicken when Braylon came and got me. And I, I, I think what happened is he was like, "You're not taking my chicken. If anybody's going to eat that, it's going to be me." So I'm not sure if he failed. I told him, you know, if you'd got Charlie, if you'd gotten two hawks out of the air, man. You'd be a legend, but you, you, you cheaped out and went for the chicken, bro. So he did. Anyway, so we made Coca Vin, and we learned about Pearl Harbor Day, and then the kids are on to Excellus University. What are we going to learn about in the show today? Jack Whit Rambling. We have a returning guest, Jason Schaller. Jason was on the show back in August of 2021, so a little over a year ago, episode 2493. And we talked about his website and his YouTube channel and, and earning money as a content creator in the firearms industry. And his, uh, his website and his YouTube channel are the Rogue Banshee. So that's what we talked about last time. This time we're not going to talk about that, though. We're going to talk about debt elimination is a prepper tactic, how Jason got out of debt, how being out of debt was helpful in Jason's life when things changed as they tend to do over time. Basically, we're going to talk about how debt elimination... And if you're going to only have, if you're going to have any debt, having what you would call smart debt only, is a key component to resilient lifestyle design, which is prepping. I, I often uh, am asked to be on other people's shows and things like that to talk about prepping, and I honestly say no sometimes because I don't feel that whoever I'm talking to is open to having the discussion that I want to have. And, and this is what I mean. People think prepping is gas masks, big stocks of food, and stuff like that. That's what they think prepping is. It's bunker mentality. That's not prepping. That's going all in on one possible catastrophe. 
preparedness, which is what prepping is, preparedness, prepping, survivalism, right? Survivalist. What is a survivalist? A survivalist is a person who specializes in surviving. That's what the word actually means. Survive means to continue to exist. The um, suffix, I-S-T, is one who specializes in. So a botanist is one who specializes in plants. Yeah? A herpetologist is someone who specializes in reptiles and amphibians. A survivalist is someone who specializes in survival. And survival is about being resilient in the face of adversity. You know what's adversity? When you lose your job. When a pandemic comes, comes along and shit cans the economy and the business that you're running. Those are forms of adversity. And they're far more likely than global thermal nuclear war or the launch of the zombies or whatever people are envisioning. Much more so. A, pan, a scamdemic that destroys the economy when the when illness itself is, is little of any threat to normal everyday average people is more likely than a pandemic that kills half the population, as we just saw. Now, do you know the main thing that derails people in their life is economics one way or another. It's job loss. It's illness that bankrupts a family. It's a crashed economy. It's the inability to retire when you thought you were because you listened to your financial liar and you didn't protect your wealth. It's all of those things. And one of the best things you can do to be resilient in the face of all these types of things is to be debt-free. When you're debt-free, we only need enough incoming to survive another day forward every day. When you're in debt, you have to pay for what you already use. That's what to be in debt means. And I have been teaching debt-free philosophy as part of Survival Podcast since 2008. And I would go on other people's radio shows and stuff like that, other people's podcasts, and like, well, you sound like Susie Orman. Like, what the hell are you talking about, Susie Orman? Susie Orman's always about spending all the money that you have as quickly as possible. And now you can just keep working for another 10 years. It's a new normal. Yeah, new normal's not that new. That's what Orman was saying back in 09 and 10 for the Great Recession, right? Oh, you're just going to work another 10 years. It's okay. Yeah, sure. No, this is preparedness, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'll have Jason on in just a moment. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day, number one today, is ButcherBox.com. How much do I love ButcherBox? So much that ButcherBox does not pay me in money. Nope. ButcherBox pays me in meat. I get a great big box of meat every week, every week, I'm sorry, every month delivered to my front gate. I told you guys last week when I talked about ButcherBox, this time I did a big add-on. A standing bone-in rib roast so I can make uh, prime rib for my son for Christmas dinner because he loves that. It's his favorite thing. And some, some months, honestly, I actually give them money because they only give me so much meat. Basically, they give me an equivalent amount of meat of what I would charge for, uh, for a sponsorship spot. But some months, I want more meat than that. And they have such good quality stuff, I'm happy to pay for it. Like that standing rib roast. That's going to be awesome. Check them out today. And remember, if you're an MSB member, and that would be a great time to become an MSB member. We'll, we'll mention why here in a second. But if you're an MSB member, you pay 50 bucks a year to be an MSB member. ButcherBox will give you $10 off every box for as long as you stay a customer for the rest of your life. Okay, If you do a monthly box, that's $120 a year in discounts from one of my supporting vendors for one of the best quality products you'll ever get your hands on. If you know you do an every other month box, because you can do that. You can say, I want a box every other month. That's still $60 a year. 
So, great sponsor, great supporter of the show, great quality product. Next up today, WealthSteading.com. You know, I mentioned that, you know, people get victimized in the world today by financial liars. Financial liars are the people that answer a ad on the television or the newspaper and go work for, you know, American Express or something like that. They really don't know anything about investing. They're relationship salespeople. They basically sit down and do a questionnaire with you and your spouse if you're married, and they come back with a pie chart that tells you how to allocate your shit. And I'll tell you a secret. 99% of the time, that pie chart looks the same for anybody at any particular age and demographic. It doesn't matter about that interview is all freaking bullshit. If you want a investment advice, you need somebody that knows how to make themselves into a, into a millionaire with investing. You want somebody like John Pugliano at wellsteading.com. His podcast will tell you his insights into the market. He's also an amazing investment manager. You can learn more about him by, again, listening to his podcast at wealthsteading.com. And remember, John is reluctantly on Fountain, and you can tip him uh, with Boostagrams on Fountain for his awesome advice. Uh, on that, real quick, you know, I mentioned that you get a discount to ButcherBox if you're an MSB member. MSB on sale right now, 35 bucks a year. Price locks in as long as you stay a customer. Discount code is Christmas. Go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on members to learn more. And with that, let's go ahead and bring our special guest, uh, Jason Schaller, on the show. And we are live, and I want to say, Jason, welcome to the Survival Podcast, man. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, you were on, I have it in the notes, I don't remember now, episode... It was like August of 21, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was like there. a year, a little over a year ago, it was episode 20-something-something. Something. But yeah, I've got it in the show notes if people want to look that up. We talked about kind of your firearms content creation business at that time. Today, uh, when I got your, well, not today, but when I got your guest app this time around, you wanted to talk about debt freedom and living debt-free as kind of a prepping tactic, which I thought was a great discussion. I've been talking about debt freedom being part of a resilient lifestyle design strategy since 2008. So it's definitely part of the roots of the survival podcast. I was saying during my intro segment before we got online together that I actually took heat from it back in the day because like all these prepper organizations and uh, radio shows and stuff are reaching out to me and they're like, well, what does that elimination have to do with survivalism? I was like, dude, I don't know that I can help you. Um, it's certainly a huge topic and it's certainly something that Americans would be well, uh, well incentivized to, uh, to learn more about, especially in the society we're heading toward. But before we dig into that topic, can you, Jason, can you just tell people a little about kind of your, your professional background and how you ended up where you are today? Sure. Well, for a day job, I do cybersecurity. Um, so I'm in, I'm in the tech industry. I've been in professionally 25 years, but I've been banging away on keyboards since I was in third grade. Um, that's going back to 1980. So I just dated myself pretty bad there. Um, but, uh, I, I was an FFL. Uh, I, I went out and got my FFL and for 10 years I was an FFL and a gunsmith. And then, well, I just got sick of dealing with some people. Um, I had some real idiot customers that were new that just ruined it for everybody. So I was like, that's it. I'm done. But at the same time, I started, um, my, my YouTube channel and I was doing disassembly and reassembly videos because I was doing, um, circuit work. So I was helping people take their guns apart so they could get the guns circuited and then put them back together when they get stuff back. And then the channel, you know, five years later has morphed into this, you know, 
pretty big thing now. Um, you know, it's, it's, and it's starting to grow even more, which I'm happy for. Very cool, man. So you, it, through all this, you decided at some point in your journey to seek debt freedom. Yeah. So can you kind of talk about like how far in debt were you and how long did it take to get out? So I'll, I'll back up just a little bit to get into how we got into debt. Uh, we moved back to Montana in 2006, but we were still living here like we were living on my East Coast salary. So we never readjusted for the income drop when we moved back here. So um, breaking it down of how in debt we were, we had a little over $67,000 in credit card debt. We bought a new boat, had a car payment, and two mortgages on the house. So, you know, in all, we were somewhere around 300000 in, in, in debt. We were managing that debt, and I'll use air quotes. We were managing the debt, mm-hmm. um, but it took us about eight years to dig out of that. And so that's, you know, you do some math, it's, you know, what? 35, 40, somewhere between 35 and 40,000 a year in debt that we were, we were eliminating on average. Okay. And that's interesting to me because there's a lot of people that say their debt's insurmountable and that's kind of what they have is 35, 40,000, 25,000, 30,000. And it's amazing what a person can do when they get motivated. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, I mean, you know, we got into debt. Uh, it's funny because, you know, my wife would say, Hey, look, we can't, we can't sustain this. Um, and then she would give up and I'm like, Hey, we can't sustain this. And we were never on the same page at the same time. But when we realized that we were paying one credit card with another credit card, that's when I think the light switch hit both of us. Like we're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. There is a point where you, you kind of, you look at a a debt and you realize like, I'm never going to, if I don't do this the hard way, I'm never going to do this. It's never going to happen. It's going to be here forever. And sooner or later, it's going to kill me. I've always said that it is very analogous to cancer because you can have a high debt couple with a high net income and they'll stay in debt till they die to where they don't even leave their survivors anything because the, the, the what's left in the estate goes to pay the debt and they look really healthy because they and I don't mean physically, I mean financially, because, you know, the guy's a member of the country club and they drive a Lexus and all that shit. But they, they really are are poor. Because if either of them, even a two-income family, a lot of times, if one side loses their job, they're going to be destroyed by it because they can't service that debt anymore. Yeah, and, and that's really important to understand. I mean, you know, in 2006, when we moved back to Montana, it was uh, 2008 when we were like, holy crap, we're in trouble. So it was two years to rack up this much debt. And, of course, in 2008, well, the economy was going to crap. Yeah. Um, and we're like, uh, if I lose my job, we're in trouble. Like we're, we're just really in trouble. So that's when we started, um, we started really taking this seriously. And, um, you know, it is one thing that you said on one of your shows that really rang with me was, is, you know, when we, pre- when we do our, our prepping, what are we prepping for? What's the most likely thing? And you, you said, you know, what about losing a job? Isn't losing a job a disaster? Yeah. And I went, Holy crap! Uh, we're we're there. This this yeah. is exactly where we're at. I mean, was that really the point? Like having that 
concept come down or was there a point where you really said like this is bad and we must deal with it uh you know it was that was there the the whole paying one credit card with another you know we were paying our power bill with a credit card we're we were doing everything on a credit card and that's why i say you know we were managing our debt so you know our fico scores were in the 800s so everybody loved us right because we were managing that debt but I mean, it, any one thing were to happen, it, it was a house of cards. We were done. Yeah. Um, so you, this does never, it never comes without sacrifice. That's why I'm always like, what was the thing that did it? Because I know we have a lot of people in the audience who are in this place and are like, yeah, yeah, I know I should. But I'm, it's a lot like, you know, needing to go on a diet and lose weight. It's like everybody knows they should do it. But nobody wants to endure the work to get it done, right? Nobody wants to give up the sweet candy and 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 and, and live on the ribeye, I guess, except me. Um, what sacrifices did you guys have to make to get through this? Uh, it was a lot. Um, so the sacrifices. The first thing we did is we looked at everything we were doing, and we compared that to what we needed to to live. So, you know, lunch is out during the week, dinner's out. Uh, that crap is gone, right? We just, we cut that right off, right off. Um, we stopped giving each other gifts for Christmas, um, anniversary, birthdays. Those are all things that, that we just cut out. And, um, like if we wanted a treat to go it, to, for like, you know, we wanted to go out, we would go to Costco, walk around and just have like, you know, samples. And that was like our, our lunch out, you know? So we gave up a lot. Um, I mean, you just, you just figure out what you can cut and you just cut it. It's funny you say that. I remember a long time ago, my wife was watching one of the daytime annoying talk show type shows, like an Oprah, but it wasn't Oprah. And, uh, I came out of my office and I'm listening and she said, no, you'll like this one. This guy is like the millionaire next door type guy. And he's talking to all the people in the audience about how to become wealthy. So I'm like, yeah, I'll have a coffee and listen to the guy for a few minutes before I go back to work. And he was talking about how he would go eat lunch a time or two a week at Costco because it was a yeah. buck fifty, and you got this giant yeah, drink and a sausage and all. <laughs> and there was this lady in the audience, and she seemed really indignant by this. This really offended her. She said, well, I don't know how you can expect that I would go eat at Costco for lunch, right? And the guy just goes, that's why you're there and I'm here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the truth, right? I mean, it, there's a lot of truth to that. You need, you need to look at what you're spending, right? I mean, we obviously weren't for, yeah. you know, two, two or three years. We obviously weren't looking at what we were spending. Um, this made us look at what we were doing and understand what's a need and what's a want, right? Do sure. I need this or do I want this? And that's really what ended up happening out of this is, is we go to buy something, is, is that a need or is it a want? You know, you go to the store, it's like, hey, I want some chips. Is that a need or a want? All right, well, that's, that's a want. You know, we, we're going we're gonna to cut the chips out and we're just going to get the basics, you know, and, and um, you know, rather than a bag of chips, we can buy, you know, 20 cans of corn and have a side dish with corn. 
or, you know, veggies or whatever. So you, you start, you start realizing what you need and you think differently about money afterwards. Yeah. People say money isn't everything, but it, it sure is something. And it, it sure <laughs> has a detrimental on you. The thing is, I, I think a phrase that people are pretty comfortable with accepting is money is power. Because we all know that when a dude's worth a trillion dollars, he can make shit happen that no politician can. But yeah. I think what we lose sight of then is if money is power, then it is a sword and it has an edge on both sides and it can cut in both directions. So when you give a person money or access to credit, if they're not well disciplined in how they manage money, the power that they wield can actually hurt them more than it hurts anybody else. And this is why I've always refused. Like when I have family members that are in trouble, like they're always going to lose their house or something. I might make one payment for them and give them some breathing room, but I never give that person money because it's like giving, it's like giving a bag of candy to a, a person at 600 pounds and about to die. Like they're going to actually make things worse because they haven't comprehended the concept that if I have power and I'm irresponsible with it, I can hurt myself and others. You, you do firearms content, right? So I think we're, you know, everybody that's a responsible gun owner understands the minute I take a firearm and I attach it to my body and I'm walking around with a gun, there's power there. And that's a danger, right? It has a lot going for it. I, there's a reason we carry. But if we it also comes with responsibility, right? Yeah. If you don't have that corresponding responsibility, you're going to blow your foot off, shoot yourself in the dick, yep. shoot yourself in the leg and bleed out of your femoral hurt somebody else like that's going to happen. And we, no one gets upset when you say that about a gun, but you tell somebody that about money, they kind of have a triggered response yeah. because, and I think it's back to diet, exercise, et cetera. Those same types of things. They know they should, but they don't want to. They want the easy button. That's, that's the simple thing is that everybody wants the easy button. Um, trust me, when I was paying off this, this debt, or I would say I, when we were paying off this debt, because my wife was just as invested as I was in it, uh, we we wanted the easy button, right? Instead, yeah. it took us eight years. Yeah, you were looking for to, the secrets that debt collection agencies don't want yeah, you to exactly. know, which there isn't yeah, any, exactly. by the way. There isn't. Yeah. Like, you, you hear those commercials? The people that run the debt elimination services are the same people that you owe the money to, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a big uh, game of grab ass. What, what did the process – I mean, you kind of mentioned some of the sacrifice, but what did the process actually look like for you as you guys went through this, like – what was the amount generalized? I don't need any personal information, but like, you know, what percentage of your income was going out the door just to service debt? Uh, it was just about 100 percent was going out the door. Um, and what wasn't going out the door was going in our mouth to feed us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, we, there was no way of of getting around this. Right. You had to deal with it. Uh, you, know, so you were all of, in. So basically you, yeah. your money that came in paid your uh, non-discretionary expenses like electric and stuff like that. It yep. paid whatever you could on your debt and it paid for your essentials and you didn't have luxury until you were done. Right. Exactly. So we cut, I mean, we cut expenses across the board. Um, I also changed jobs, which also raised income. So that, that helped a little bit, but we started looking around the house going, okay, we got to raise money, right? And yeah. we can only raise so much money through salary because I'm a, I'm a salaried employee. Um, let's, wh what can we do? So we have four vehicles. Now, the newest vehicle was a 2010 Ford Fusion, which I still have. I mean, okay. if you get a car after us, 
It's because you need a fender. You're not getting it from a chemical <laughs> use airport, right? Yeah. I mean, if if we have a vehicle that that we get rid of before two hundred thousand, it's a miracle um, that that we didn't get two hundred thousand. So we had an '86 Bronco too. Um, that was our mountain truck, right? Okay. So we listed on Craigslist, sold it for five hundred bucks. I mean, it had two hundred and sixty some thousand miles on it, and I think we were like the fifth owner of this vehicle, right? Okay. Um, it was a beater. So there was five hundred bucks, right? So we yeah. got five hundred bucks for it. That went to a bill. Plus, you know, we don't have to pay insurance on it. Uh, here in Montana, if your car is over eleven years old, you can permanently register them. So it's not like we were saving money on registration. Um, plus, you know, it got a whopping like ten miles to the gallon. So um, <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, you know, it wasn't fuel efficient at all. Um, that was that was a pure fun truck, right? Yeah. But then, you know, we looked at other things. You know, we had a boat. Um, we bought a boat in two thousand seven. And it had, I think, 150 hours on it. We didn't, we didn't use it. Um, sure. So the fortunate thing we were, we were with the boat is we weren't upside down in the, the payments, right? Yeah. So we sold the boat. The boat sold for about 5000 more than we owed for it. So there was $5,000 that went to another bill. So, you know, we also had a hot tub. We hadn't used the hot tub in a year, and the heater element went in it one day, and I fixed it. And I'm sitting yeah. there going, I just fixed a hot tub we haven't used for a year. Yeah. Gone. We listed that on Craigslist, and we found out, you know, we, we took that money. I forget how much we sold it for. That paid a bill. But then we realized the next month, our power bill went down $50 a month. We so had no idea. That we were maintaining that temperature. Yeah. yeah so it was, it was whatever you got for it. Uh, plus 600 bucks a year. Yeah. Right. Cause so, that came up. It doesn't matter where money comes from. It matters that it comes, you know, um, the boat thing, there's an old saying among boat owners, especially prior boat owners is the best day. The second best day of your life as a boat owner is the day you buy the boat. The first best day is the day you sell the boat. Sell it. It's yeah. a floating hole into which you put money. You know, and, and it's, it's sad because, you know, when I was a kid and we lived on the East Coast, we had a boat. And I, I understood that, right? Yeah. Um, when we lived here in Montana the first time, we had a we had a boat, but it was a nice small boat. It was, you know, it, it was very fuel efficient. But then, you know, hey, let's go out and get the, um, you know, the 18-foot boat. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, It's it was definitely the second day. And we have not even considered buying a boat since. Yeah. Um, just because yeah. we went through that whole thing of paying off debt, we're just like, uh, we're just not going to use it. So we're, uh, you know, no. You know, I, the way I look at it now is I can have a boat and all the expenses and maintenance and headaches to go with a boat. Or I can hire a guide for 300 bucks who will run the boat all day and I will come home with a absolute pile of fish every time. When I lived in Arkansas, there's no place like this around here, but there was a state park. It was 15 minutes from my house and I could rent like a 18 foot pontoon boat, kind of like a smaller yep. you know, bass cruiser for 75 bucks a day. Yeah. It's, if, if I had that option, you would never even get me to consider. I can't, no. I can't, I can't put a boat in a slip for 75 bucks a month, let alone, you know, okay. rent it for 75 bucks a day. And it's someone else's problem. Everything that goes wrong yeah. with it. Not my problem, you know. Well, if you think about it, um, so in Arkansas, you had winter, so you would have to winterize the boat. Sure. There's $75 just to winterize the boat. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? Well, so, dragging it up then, on a mountain would have been no fun either. I mean, yeah. You know. So, so I mean, you know, I, I I like to say that if I go out in the water, I'm an op boater. Other people's boats. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, once you got out of debt, what changes did you make? Because I find this, it wouldn't even cross my mind that it would be a problem for you. If you take eight years to do a thing, you're not going back. But there are people, you know, they get in five, ten grand worth of debt. It hurts. They're still pretty broke when they get there. They they beat it down. They get it to zero. And then a new credit card comes. And then it's like, well, it's just 500 bucks. And then I, we can have it now instead of next month. And next thing you know, they're back in debt again. So if you don't make structural changes, it's like the people that say, well, you know, I, I tried keto and I lost a bunch of weight, but when I started eating cohos and ding-dongs again, I got fat. Well, no shit. So what what changes did you make structurally so that you didn't go back, you don't backslide? So first of all, um, credit cards pissed us off during this whole thing. So um, what we ended up doing is, you know, we paid a little bit of credit card debt off and we were doing balance transfers to lower the interest rates, right? Sure. Um, because, you know, we were, you know, people hear about the snowball method of paying off. We use the avalanche method. So the snowball is you pay your highest uh, amount of debt off first. Avalanche is you pay your highest interest rate first. Okay. And so while we were doing this, of course, this, you know, again, 2008, 2009, when the housing crisis was going on, a couple of credit cards jumped our interest rates, uh, not our interest rates, our um, minimum payments up by double. Okay. So, so the credit cards pissed us off. So the whole tempting of getting another credit card, hey, there's another credit card. It, it, we were so pissed off at credit card companies that we're just like, it, it didn't even, it, it doesn't dawn on us, right? Um, going through that much pain just really made us, it, it rewired our brain. I mean, it totally rewired our brain of we're not going to do this again. Um, there's no way we're going to have this thing. We, we had, you know, while paying things off, we were building up a savings account, right? Our emergency fund. Uh, we were doing more things ourselves, right? You know, we were, you know, oil, oil changes. I'm doing oil changes and stuff. Not that I'm opposed to doing them, but you know, they're, they're not the, the most fun thing in the world to do. Um, so we just, started doing things ourselves. You know, at, at the same time, we have, we have a 1600 square foot garden. We have apple trees. We have plum trees and cherry trees. We were preserving food too. So we, it, we really kind of took this whole thing just like, you know, if we wanted something special, we had, Hey, we had, here's some plum jelly that we created, you know, from our plum trees. And that was our, you know, our treat. Um, yeah, it just it just rewired rewired us. Um, you know, it, it, there's something to be said about you know hitting your low point. You can't go any lower. You'll remember that low point. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to ban a spammer that we have coming in on no, Twitter cool. here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, what was you eventually lost your primary income for a while. I did. So um, like leading up to it, how far along were you in this process? Like, had you eliminated your debt by then? We had. We had. So um, I lost my job uh, the the Thursday before Thanksgiving last year in 2021. 
So actually, when I was on with you in August, okay, I had I had a clue that it was coming. So I I had moved to another job. Uh, we knew going into this job, probably in a couple of months, this was a this was a bad move. Um, they wanted a yes man, and I'm very much not a yes man. Gotcha. Uh, so we were we were paying everything off, right? So, you know, the, the, the coup hit, right. Um, we were hitting everything hard because you know, I saw the layoffs again. I lost uh, two of my, um, my employees. I was the only one left in my department. So we were paying everything off. So when we came back around, we had no mortgage. I mean, we made some really uh, unpopular decisions by, um, you know, financial experts. I'm using quotes, um, like when, when the coup hit, you could take a hundred thousand out of a 401k. And I had a 401k sitting there from a, a previous job. We took that out, paid the taxes on it. And then it was like $68,000. We put it right to the house. Cause that was our only bill left was our primary mortgage. Okay. We, we just started stuffing everything into the house, paying it off, stuffing everything into savings. So when I lost my job, um, you know, I got the, I had a feeling on Monday, you know, I was actually on a, on a team's call with my boss and he, he came on and I go, Hey, am I, uh, am I going to have a department or a job on Friday? And he, he about fell off his chair and he, he goes, no, I go, all right. <laughs> End call. Right. So, um, when I walked in on Thursday, uh, to, to, to be let go, you know, I came walking in, I'm just sitting down and I was very relaxed. I mean, you, you usually think like, holy crap, I'm losing my job. I'm sitting there going, I have no bill. Yeah. As long as I pay the taxes on my house, like no one can take my, my house. Um, I have power, water, you know, I, gas, stuff like that. I, I, I was very relaxed sitting there to the point where I was screwing with them during while they, they were letting me go because I didn't care. Um, so no, we were completely debt free. It's the the scariness happens afterwards. You know, you start looking at what am I going to do? You know, I I lost my income. We're good. You know, we looked at our our financial situation without a job. We were good for like two years. You know, we could go for two years. It's still scary watching the cash going down after you've just been putting sure. it in for so many years. Yeah, yeah. But we were like, hey, look, all we did is. We looked at it, you know, I, I told my wife that Monday I was losing my, you know, losing my job sometime this week. We went back and said, okay, all we're going to do is we're going to go back to what we were doing when we were paying off our debt, right? That was almost like, you know, yeah, it, it, was, our, it was our prep for losing a job. But it was also like testing our prep at the same time. Sure, right? sure. So happened. we, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we, we went, we just went back to that. It's like, okay, we're not going to be doing gifts. Sorry, Christmas is coming up, but, and, and we had already bought each other a gift for Christmas because I still had a job then. But then we're like anniversaries out, uh, you know, birthdays are out. So we just went right back to the way we were. Um, you know, we had, the way we lived for eight years, we lived for 10 months until, um, until I found <laughs> another job. And, you know, at that time, you know, um, the coup killed my wife's business. She's self-employed. Mm. So she had to find something else to do. So she figured out so it's not like she's bringing in a lot of money. I had a little bit of unemployment. So unemployment helped for a little while, but you know, that runs out. Uh, <laughs> I started doing, you know, I'm, I'm 
I'm a highly credentialed cyber person. So I started doing, um, I started doing gigs, right? I, I spun up an LLC, did some gigs. I had a lot of promises like, Hey, I can totally sell your services. Awesome. And those promises never appeared. Sure. sure. Um, so, um, you know, that's all we did is we just went right back to where we were. Cause we're like, if we live the way we were, we're good for two years. <laughs> Well, see, that's the thing about living that way. Then when you have to live that way, instead of you're choosing to, you have experience and you're going to do better in that battle. Like, well, there's a lot of people that, you know, they'll get into martial arts and they, they're offline with learning forms and all. But when it comes to actual sparring where you actually get punched in the mouth, they're not so hip on that. Yeah. But if you've never if you've never been punched in the mouth, then when there's actually a fight and you get punched in the mouth by somebody that wants to hurt you a lot more than a sparring partner does, you don't really know how to respond to it. Yeah, you go through so when you've already lived down to the bone and it comes up like we got to live down to the bone now, you know exactly what to do. You know, you can do it. You know, you'll get through it. You know, it's worth it. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, that's like like you said, you know, I experienced that. I have eight years of experience at living at like, you know, this much. I mean, really, we could live. We can live at like $30,000 a year and we can live a great life. We're not saving anything for retirement, but we can live a great life for 30000 because I have no debt. You can make more than that as a freaking person doing checkout at Walmart. All right. Trust me. And, and there were times that we were looking at it going, okay, because by the time <laughs> we realized that, hey, the consulting thing, these promises are not coming true. Yeah. I got to find a job, right? Yeah. So, and then of course the job market kind of changed on me. Uh, yeah. So it took me longer to find a job. I was looking at Costco going, going, Hey, Costco is paying, I forget what it was. It was like $22 an hour. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. that was, that was more than my first IT job 25 years ago. Sure it was. Of course it was. Um, yeah. So this is, you know, we're looking at it and I'm going to get benefits, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, trust me, we we looked at that going, okay, these are these are our fallback points. You know, we were paying attention to, hey, look, you know, Walmart's hiring at this, Costco's hiring at this. If we have to, because we don't want to run out, we don't I don't want to go two years without uh, income coming in. I could, I don't want to. Um, so at that point, you know, we were like, okay, these are our fallbacks. Hey, Costco is only six miles away, so it's not like I'm gonna burn a lot of gas getting there. Um so those are things that we looked at. Yeah. So in this experience, I often find like the most valuable thing that an observer can take away from it is the mistakes or things you would do differently. And like, even if it all worked out well, like when I have somebody on that built a house and they're like, I love my house. Would you do it again? Yes. Would you do it differently? Yes. Right. Yes. And then that's where you actually learn is by, by seeing the things that a person that was successful did that they say, I would tweak these things. Is there something specific you learned or something specific that you would do differently if you went back to the beginning other than not going to debt in the first place? Uh, yeah. I, so, you know, I look back, you know, when we got out of debt, we started buying, um, you know, we started buying gifts for each other again. Right. But yeah. we set limits. We set limits on what we could do. Um, and then what actually was nice about that is the the gifts, we had to put more thought into the gift. Right. Sure. So rather than just being something we gave, we, we had to put some thought into it because, you know, when you sit there and go, hey, there's 50 bucks for Christmas. Like, what are you going to buy for 50 bucks? Hmm. Um, it's tough. Uh, we actually started giving each other coins, like silver, you know, silver coins. Um, and we did we did that for a while. 
Um, you know, it was Christmas. We find a really cool coin. Sometimes it was 60 bucks, but okay. Um, but there, what we would probably do different is we probably, there, there are still some things after we got out of debt, we, we could have done without, right? Mm. So we probably would have uh, lived a little more frugally afterwards because two years could have become three years without income if we hadn't spent here, spent there, things like that. Um, that's the biggest thing is when you come out of this, um, don't completely come out of it. I mean, we didn't go back and spending money. We were still stacking cash and stuff like that, but, yeah. um, we would have, we would have cut back on some purchases. Um, but you know, some of the stuff we looked at that we did good. I mean, we stored gas, you know, when I lost my job, I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting on 120 gallons of, of gas. So, and of course, you know, we all know what gas prices did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're not driving so, as much, right? Cause you're not going to work. We're not dri- yeah. yeah. We're not driving as much. And even now uh, I work remote. So I work 100% from home. So I'm still not burning gas. So mm-hmm. we're, we, we would have lived a little more frugally. We would have stacked a little more cash. Uh, the one thing I really wish we would have done more of, uh, we started buying, um, you know, American Eagles storing silver. I would have bought a hell of a lot more of silver back then, seeing what silver prices are now. Sure. That's always the easy one, though. Like, what would you do if you went back to 2013? Well, I would buy all the Bitcoin. That's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. That's an easy one, right? What would yeah. you do? Well, I would have bet on this sports team to win the Super Bowl with, with 20 to 1 odds, right? Like, because you know exactly what happened. But I'll, I'll tell you one of the things I've learned over the years is that people have a tendency – to make bad decisions about spending money in an attempt to make themselves feel good, right? And and they tend to do it at times they really shouldn't, like when the chips are down a little bit, but you're still getting by, so, hey, let's get a new TV or something. And the problem is it's it's very much a bandage, a, like a Band-Aid on a wound that's gangrenous, right? Because it does make everybody feel better for, like, a week, and then it's like, okay, now we don't have the money, and we have this new thing, this new thingamabob. And sure, it's cool and all, but did we need it? Well, one thing that we learned through this was is um, we're not emotional about money anymore. Um, mm. It's it anything to do with money is almost a business transaction for us. Um, yeah, you know, we look at this going, what is this going to get us back? Um, you know, we look at things like, okay, we had to re- replace, you know, a chair. One of our chairs in the living room was, it just finally broke and it just couldn't be fixed. Awesome. Uh, we're going to go out and spend $600 on a chair. But hey, we're still dealing with the TV that's got kind of a, a bar across it where like some of the LEDs went out. It's okay. not bad. It's there. Yeah. We deal with it. Um, so definitely you've got to disconnect emotion. And it's so hard because we racked that debt up because of emotion. Totally. Hey, it is great to go out to lunch. We felt great about it. The sad thing is, is, you know, a lunch was $30, $40 for an hour. Um, yeah. That was an, ex- that was an expensive, especially when you, you're not paying it off and you're starting to rack interest up. Um, that $30, $40, by the time you pay it off, that could be hundred to $200, depending on how long. So, yeah, we, we learned to disconnect the emotion. We started looking um, a couple of years ago. We started looking at another house because we wanted a little more land. And then, of course, you know, housing prices are going sky high. And and we drove real real estate agents nuts because we're walking around 
we actually put a ha- we put a bid on a house, and they go, well, somebody else is putting a bid right now. Do you, it, what's your maximum price for like, that? I just right gave there. it to you. Yeah, I like, well, yeah. well, you're not going to get it, and we're like, we're okay, okay. Yeah, okay. So I'm not going to get it. Right? Took- I just told you what I'm willing to pay. So if it's more yeah. than that, obviously I'm not getting it because I don't want to pay more. Yeah. So we so we learned to walk away. Um, if something's not uh, not there, we just we disconnect emotion, walk away, and just be done with it. Um, and honestly, we never, you know, we we don't think about that house. Uh, we, the only time we think about our ha- uh, that house is when we tell people that you need to we walk disconnect away. emotion. <laughs> yeah, we walked away, and and what's so funny is that real estate agent. I, I remember the the look on her face was just like her jaw dropped. Yeah. Like, holy crap. I've never, you know, cause everybody's bidding houses up. We're just like, Hey, look, our house is paid off. Actually, this is going to put us more in debt. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. When I, when I lease the truck that we have now, our Toyota, uh, truck, I, I was talking to the guy and I said, it's very important for you to understand something. This will be the fourth vehicle I lease from you. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not pulling your leg or anything that if I said, I'm going to write you a check, I'm going to write you a check. And we did a one one payment lease. So we paid it all up front, drive it until we return it, no more money. And I said, I like the idea of driving this truck for two years. I don't love it. Don't need it. I like it. Well, maybe I should go talk to my boss. Maybe you should. Right? Yeah. That was all done on the phone. We didn't even go in. Like, he sent me a picture, and I'm like, yeah, you want to test drive? I'm like, I know what it is. Right? And I, it, there is a power in that. And if he had come back and said, you know, the best we can do is X, I would have said, well, X minus Y is zero. Bye. Like, well, I don't need to do this. Like, the emotional just dissection from the decision is probably the, the best piece of advice in this episode. I try to tell everybody to, to look at this like you're the CEO of a corporation. Yeah. And you are the CEO of you and or you and your wife, Inc., right? You're that CEO, right? And if you're, you're, she's a COO and you're the CEO, whatever. You do this together. And there's an expenditure request that comes in, not because you want it, because one of your underbosses sends in a, a spending requisition and says, here's what we need to spend, here's why we need to spend it, here's what we get, here's what we already have, here's the alternatives. You would look at that and go, yeah, I really don't give a shit unless there's this, if this makes, a, if this makes sense for the company, from an economic yeah. standpoint, yes, you're really emotionally attached to the idea, you know, director, so-and-so, I don't care. No. But when it's us, it's very hard to get that separation in, and it permeates a lot of things. So I tell people when you start learning about permaculture design, don't design your property. Go design your neighbors because you're not emotionally attached to it, and then you no. can be very Vulcan-like. And, boy, you know, you brought up real estate. If there is a place to remain non-emotional, it's That's both it. sides of real estate transactions, the seller or buyer. You get emotional, that's where everything goes to shit. Yeah, and it's funny you talk about the car. So, you know, I need during this whole debt pay down, my car would just became too unreliable to fix. Yeah. And at the time I was traveling too. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I needed a, a car that, like literally I had a jump box in the car because there was a power problem that no one could chase down, right? Okay. So you the car would run fine. And then you, you know, you go into the store, you come out, turn the key, click, all electri- the electrical system was dead. I pull a junk box out, put it on, car would come back to life, start it up, pull it off. It would work fine for like three or four days. 
Yeah. No one could figure this thing out. Yeah. So, um, so it just, I just couldn't keep doing that. So we ended up buying, uh, you know, the car I have is a, a 2010 Ford Fusion. Uh, we bought it in 2012. So it was two years old. Um, yeah. and, uh, we, we had a little bit of a sticker shock because yeah, I usually spend about 10 or 12 grand on a car. Yeah. Uh, it usually has about 60,000. I looked at 10, 10, 10 or 12 grand for a car and they were like 150,000. I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, so, so we ended up buying this one for like 18 and I walked away over $50 when we were negotiating. <laughs> like, like we, my wife's like, Oh, we're $50. I'm like, yep. We got up and we walked out. We actually went to Costco to go to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, um, you know, I got to call my cell phone. And salesperson like, look, we just can't do it. I go, I'm not budgeting this fifty dollars. You want to sell? Yeah. You want to sell a car? I want this fifty dollars. Yeah. And what we ended up compromising was, is they ended up throwing in like three oil changes to make up the fifty bucks. Okay. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. I got, I got to do oil changes anyway. Yeah. 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 So I, I got, I got three oil changes with the car, and that was my fifty dollars. I'm like, okay, well. For three oil changes, I don't have to spend my time. That's well worth fifty bucks right there. I'm sure it is. Plus, you know, so so I got I got my money back. Um, but you know, disconnecting uh, that sales that sales girl, she could not believe we walked we walked away over fifty bucks. And I was well, my, my son's first that. lease on a car was like that. They they were like. And it was cheap too. And it just got cheaper. It was a little lease on Ultimate. It was like one hundred and eighty nine a month to drive a brand new car for three years. And I'm like, that's actually a really good deal. I'm like, we're going to go talk about it. And the guy's like, hold on a second. He goes back, he goes, my manager said he could do it right now, 149 a month. And I'm trying, I was actually like totally fine with that. But I'm trying to teach my son negotiations. So there's no way I'm going to say okay. yes right now. We walked out the guy's face. Like you're saying, it just like, like you can't yeah. believe that you're going to walk away from $150 a month payment on like, well, how are you going to do better? We went to have lunch, and I'm like, we'll just go back and say yes, but you have to walk away, Matt. And while we're sitting here at lunch, we get a call, $129. <laughs> so he drove his first car for three years for $129 a month, and I told him, like, they're trying to get you in the system. Don't think you're going to do this when you get your next one. But, like, yeah. take that as a – he traded in a piece of shit. No money down, traded in a complete piece of shit that I, we'd otherwise had to pay somebody to tow away. And so that worked out really great. But but you never know what no will do until you say it, right? Like you always have to ask yeah. for the thing you want and say no to the thing that you don't. And that requires, again, being non-emotional because they'll do shit like, you know, I'd hate for you to leave and come back and that car's not here. Why not? You got 80 of them. Yeah. Like you think I'm attached to, to like midnight brown or something like it. You know. Well, that was the whole thing is, you know, they, they pulled that on me and I'm four of them. You telling me that all four of them are going to be gone? It yeah. just happened to be the color I like. Yeah. Um, Somebody else so, will have one. I mean, that's yeah. the thing, you know. I mean, you, 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 the stars align so perfectly that when I walked in here today, you just so happen to have the one car that I need in my life for the price that's best it'll ever be in my life today and today only. Like, well, they actually the talk like that. And I can't blame them because they're trained to talk like that. Yeah. And that wasn't even the first car dealership we went to that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, it's like we went to another one and like, okay, I, 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 this is a nice car. You know, it was a, I forget, it was some Chevy. Yeah, it's nice, but um, yeah, someone smoked in it, and I don't like no. the smell. So, no, right. So I'm like, uh, there's no way I'm, I'm buying that. And then, you know, the price kept on going down. I'm like, ah, sorry, man, that price mm-hmm. come down. You can't get rid of that smell. It, it's um, hard. I, a truck I bought years ago had no smell in it, and the first summer, the smell of the stink of a cigarette. And stuff just came pouring out of it once it was yep. sitting in the sun. And I went to Walmart and I bought like the biggest bottle of Febreze that they make. And I literally saturated the headliner, the door. I mean, just it was soaked and it went away. And about three months later, it came back and I did it again and it never came back. I don't know what they did to initially knock it down, but it took a lot to get rid of it. I would never wish that on it. People that smoke in their car, I just think you're stupid. I mean, like. You're damaging this expensive thing forever because anybody that isn't you is not going to want your vehicle. Well, you're damaging this expensive thing that is losing value by the second. Yep. And then lighting that, Yeah. So, so by lighting that cigarette, it's going down, you know, even faster. faster. Yeah. Yeah. What would you tell somebody out there right now that's sitting there looking at a big pile of debt saying, yeah, I want to do this, but – they're apprehensive at the sacrifices they're going to have to make. You know, uh, you know, we talked about it, get emotions out of the way. Um, it, it, don't get me wrong. It was very emotional for my wife and I, um, to do this. You know, when, when we sold the boat, um, she like broke down crying because it was like, you know, we bought that boat. Like we didn't buy it off the showroom. We ordered the boat. Ah, (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know, so it was like, it, it was sad. Um, but after that, after we got through the first one, you know, it's, it's ripping the bandaid off, right? We, we, the pain was off. Um, you know, we saw $5,000 instantly come back and it paid off a debt. So something yeah. went away and yeah. then our emotions kind of really went away after that. I mean, get emotion out of the way and it's tough. Trust me. Um, you know, over this last year, uh, you know, with the, with losing the job, there was a pipe that burst just outside the window of the studio here and flooded this room. It so, broke on a Friday night, uh, Saturday morning at 530. I found it and I had to get everything out. And of course, I didn't have a job. Right. Um, so there's more money that's going out because I have no idea how much it's going to cost to mitigate this. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm calling on a Saturday morning at six o'clock in the morning. My wife was on the phone with with our insurance company, trying to get somebody out here. So now you know it's an it's an it's an emergency on call during the weekend. So you know that that price is going. High. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting everything out of here. Um, you know, after we got the the leak stopped, um, I got most of the stuff out of here. Man, I sat down with my ass in the water for five mm. minutes and broke down. Right. Because it, it was it was tough, and then after five minutes, I'm like, all right, I had my pity party, get my ass back up and let's get going. Um, don't get me wrong, emotions always play into it, and you are just going to have to to disconnect from the emotion. Get through the first, get through the first cry, and be done with it. Mm. Um, uh, and then you know the way we paid the debt off, we we used to, you know we found a, a free Excel. Uh, spreadsheet on the internet and we plugged all the figures in and all that stuff and it figured out how much we were going to pay, who we were going to pay and all, all this stuff. 
And we saw a section in that Excel spreadsheet where for 18 months, something didn't go away. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we knew that ahead of time, right? Yeah. We knew this was going away, all the stuff. Then for 18 months, something was not going to go away. You don't feel like you're making headway because something didn't go away. Yeah. Um, we were like, okay, we understand that. That's fine. Man, when we, when we hit that 18 months, it sucked. Um, yeah. It totally sucked. Yeah. Um, that was emotional. Um, it's like driving across the country and you're going, every time you hit a state line, you feel like you've done something. And then you hit Texas. Yeah. And then it's 800 miles to El Paso. And it just feels like you're, you're making the same progress that you were before. This is why it's a good analogy. Same progress. Right. Well, the first time I ever drove from Florida to Pennsylvania, it was like, this is great. You know, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. Well, I drove from Pennsylvania to Texas and I hit Tennessee and found out that Tennessee's over 500 miles tip to tip. You feel like you're not going nowhere. Yeah. Well, it's like um, when we first moved here to Montana in 2000, we're like, you know, first of all, we came in through North Dakota and North Dakota is flat and featureless. Um, You swear, I, I swear if you have, Cruise control and a good front end alignment, you don't you need don't. auto drive in a Tesla. You just, <laughs> maybe you fall asleep, wake up an hour later. It's like, did I move? Um, <laughs> and then we came into Montana. We started getting some features, but then we're like, I've never been in a, in a state where I'm driving. It's like, I'm not going anywhere. Yes. I swear it took us forever to get across Montana. Yeah. Um, and in Texas is even bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tennessee, you can be through in almost no time at all north to south. When you go dip to dip, that thing is huge, you know. The first yeah. time I ever drove down here, I was like, this is insane. What's going on? Like, you know, I hit the Virginia-Tennessee border. It's like 180 miles of Knoxville. I think, well, that's got to be close to the to Nashville or something. Nah, you got another 200-something uh, miles to go to Nashville. <laughs> you still got another 300 miles to get to Memphis. It's insane. Anyway, that's kind of off topic. But it is kind of the same thing. When you're paying down debt, Every time you pay off that debt, and that's why, like, the snowball thing works to motivate people because what they'll do, yep. pay the smallest debt off first and then compound that into the next one, next one, next yep. one. So you start seeing things move. But there is a point where you get to that big one. It's going to be there a while, and, you, you know, you did it to yourself, and you got to get That's when it. you realize you're in this for the long haul, right? Yeah. It, it takes a while. Um, it, it, it's tough, man. It, it, there's don't get me wrong. I, I don't wish this on anybody um, because this was a tough exercise to go to go through. There are um, other gun content creators. Cause you know, we talk, it's a, it's an industry. Yeah. We, we, we talk a little bit. I get calls from them going, dude, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, when I put say, Hey man, we're completely debt free. Everybody's like, how'd you do that? I'm like, dude, we just run it through it for eight years. Um, and there's some people that call me up and I'm like, Hey man, I can't give you a financial advice. But if I was in your situation, like you're telling me, this is the way, this is is what I would do. And there's a couple of content creators that I know that um, they're not debt free yet, but they're probably within six to eight months of like no mortgage, everything. Mm. Um, And they're, they're like, I, I, yeah, I like to say that it, I don't like to say it, but I know, I know it to be true that, if I had lost my job in 2008 with all that debt that we had, we wouldn't be married. There's there's no way that our marriage would survive that. Right. Um, and, you know, I know some people that I've talked to, they're like, man, we're fighting all the time about money. I'm like, yeah, um, 
<laughs> I get it. Uh, you got to get that under control. And trust me, it's going to suck for a long time. But as when you get out the other side of it, um, yeah, trust me, you're going to be a much better person and you're going to learn so many things that you're not going to do again. Um, you know, like, you know, we did vacation stopped, right? And it's not like we really went anywhere for vacation. We just drove somewhere out. You know, we split time between, um, Glacier National Park and, um, Yellowstone. Um, that's yeah. actually why we ended up in Helena's because my wife likes Glacier and I like Yellowstone. So yeah. home is halfway between. Um, you know, we stopped vacations and then when we started up vacations again, uh, uh was it last year? Um, cause we used to have, you know, we have dogs and we have one dog. He's pretty high strung right now. Okay. Um, and so what we did is we just, you know, we would run a, you know, we, we would find a Verbo that takes dogs. We went out, you know, we bought a trailer uh, that we tow behind. We have, we have a 99 Durango, okay. um, that we, that's for the, for the dogs. And by the way, I think just hit a hundred thousand miles. Okay. Um, you can tell we didn't drive that truck. Yeah. Um, so we just, we load the dog, you know, our stuff, the dog's crap into the, into the trailer. We load the dogs in the back and then we'll drive a couple of hours to a Verbo that we rented that takes dogs. And then that's our vacation now. Gotcha. So all the money that you would spend on, you know, everything else, flights, all that stuff, we put into a really nice Verbo with, you know, our Verbo might be like $250 a night. Sure. And we're only running it for like four days. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, we, we find a, we find a, a park and go run the dogs and, you know, we just actually are, we think our vacations are better now than ever. Well, they probably are because a lot of times what people do with vacations is that they, they put so much on the vacation as yep. far as it needs to be perfect or whatever. And they're trying to maintain a schedule and everybody has a friggin' miserable. Right. Everybody yeah. is miserable because we got to be here by this time or whatever. And the kind of vacation you're describing, well, you get up when you're on vacation. When you get up, when you when you feel like her the dog has to shit, that's when you get up. Right. What are yeah. we going to do? We're going to screw off because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're on vacation yeah. where like people go on vacations. You've got a hotel and you got dinners and you got, you know, sites to see and you got to be there at this time. And I've never enjoyed those as much as the completely freestyle type of thing. And you got a flight. You got to be there. Two hours early, and then the plane gets delayed. My yeah. my truck's never delayed. No, where no, I am, no. if there's a traffic jam, we'll go have lunch. You know, and you know, since since we have a trailer, we'll you know you know the way we buy our protein here, uh, we buy half a cow and a whole hawk. And that's okay. usually about eighteen months for us, right? Okay. When turkeys are on sale for Thanksgiving, we load up on turkeys. Gotcha. Um, so. For us, when we go on vacation, we have one of those like six day ice chests. Yeah. You know, the ice will last for six days. We're yeah. loading our food into that and taking sure. our food with us because sure. we're in a Verbo. There's a whole kitchen. Yeah. Why would you so, go? Yeah. So, you know, you know, when we're on vacation, we're having, you know, ribeyes and T bones and chops and, and, you know, we'll have some corn and, you know, a salad and, and we'll sit there at a really nice house with a great view. With our dogs, we're not worried about, you know, did a sitter come let our dogs out because their dogs are right there. Mm. Um, it is so much more relaxed. Um, and uh, we get a better vacation. We think we, we do, we vacation for a lot less because again, you know, we're taking all of the expensive variables. I mean, yeah, the house, we could go a little bit less on the house, but that's our splurge, right? Sure. Sure. Um, everything else, everything else co literally comes from this house with us you work hard so you can play hard 
you know, yeah. and now, now's your time. You can do that. So real quick, because we've, we've covered this topic pretty well. Tell people a little bit about your uh, your firearms content business so that they can uh, find your site and stuff like that on other things. Yeah, you can reach me um, not really on Instagram anymore. I kind of gave up on that. It pissed me off. Um, <laughs> it's all the content's there, but I, I'm not. Um, okay. Uh, used to be able to reach me on TikTok, but I got a lifetime ban over there. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the YouTube channel is still there. Uh, that is where I'm primarily at. It's uh, the Rogue Banshee. Um, so definitely go, you know, if you Google the Rogue Banshee, you will probably find it. You also find the website. It's uh, www.trb.fyi. Websites, uh, I'm trying to redesign it so the content's getting a little stale. Um, but eventually I'll pick that up. But yeah, definitely go check that out because, uh, you know, the really the, the views I get most is disassembly and reassembly videos. Um, you know, I started the channel because I got sick of someone going, Oh, well, we're going to do this. And you're like, well, what the hell did you just do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'll slow down. And if I can't get a good video angle, I'll give you a nice close up picture of what I'm took, what I'm looking at and what I did. Yeah. So. Um, it literally just kind of walk you through stuff. Um, you know, I just did a video not that long ago for disassembly, uh, well, a deep cleaning because of YouTube policies, okay. um, of a Dan Wesson model 15 where I took that gun, um, completely tore that thing apart, cleaned it yeah. and then reassembled it for you. Okay. Yeah. So, what I like about your videos like that is they, they're detailed, but they go great kind of the point. Because I've had, you know, guns to come across my uh, obsession with buying guns. And, like, this is something I haven't ever really taken apart before. And so usually you can figure it out. But sometimes you're like, well, wait, I'm not sure. And so, you you, you know, uh, you, you, you put information in YouTube and you look up this video and it's, you know, assembly or, or whatever of a model, blah, blah, blah. And you turn it on and you're like, well, in 1871, Colonel Townsend Whale, and you're like, Tell me how to do the thing. And like the whole thing goes on. You keep jumping ahead. And it, it, the guy never actually, it's all clickbait, never does it. And your videos actually show how to do what they say they, they're how to do it. I, I my, wanted to be my first video, I did that, right? Yeah. My first video, I did that. Like the yeah. history of the SIG P320, yeah. like anybody gives a flying crap. Right. It might be interesting, but not what I just tried to find out yeah. how to disassemble it or how to get the slide back on or whatever it is. Right. Like make that video a history of the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Done, right. So like the, but the other thing that drives me nuts. You show me what you said you're going to do. And it's not just gun guys. It's everybody. Right. Like you get a, like, how do you do this? Like I remember I was trying to figure out how to open the gas cap cover on some car I rented. And there's like usually there's a button here, a button there, and you can't get it open. And like they're talking about the owner's manual and the difference between this one and the last. How do I open this thing? Yeah. Oh, I remember what it was. It was a van, a Sprinter van that I rented to take stuff to a trade show. And the, we couldn't even find the gas cap, and it was like weird. It was like one of those Mercedes ones, and it was like behind the seat. In the back, or something like you had to open this panel to even find the gas cap. And the people at the U-Haul place that were renting it to me, they couldn't find it either. And we ended up, and we finally found it. It took like ten minutes of dealing with some guy blathering about this thing to show us where the gas cap was. Yeah. The the other thing that drives me nuts is like, okay, like you know, you're doing the reassembly, right? And they have like, here's the slide, here's the frame, and here's a bunch of parts. 
Yeah. Okay, now we're going to put the sear in. And you're looking at it going, well, what the hell is the sear? Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, when I do that, it's like, okay, now we're going to, you know, for this step, you're going to need the sear, the sear spring, and then I'll show you a picture of the, you know, three gotcha. parts you need. Gotcha. So that way you can kind of dig through that pile of crap that's sitting there because you're not a gunsmith, right? So you don't yeah. know what a sear looks like. Yeah. So if, if you knew all the things, things the guy was rattling off, you wouldn't be looking at the guy's video to put the gun back together because you would just put the gun back together. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah those are things um, that that's really why I started the YouTube channel, because I just got fed up of that stuff. Yeah. Um, plus, plus doing surcoat work, there's guns that I didn't know how to take apart. So, um, you know, I needed another video to help me through that. So, yeah, yeah it's I, I just I just kind of filled that that void. And I, I like doing it. Very cool, man. Well, I've got links to all your stuff, including your band, TikTok, and Instagram on the show notes for today. So, people, if you're watching the live video and you want links to to all of uh, all of the stuff, you can use the link in the video notes, and that will be about an hour from now if the audio will go live. And, dude, I had a great time talking to you today. Thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure coming on. Well, good stuff there, folks. Let me remind you real quick, if you want to help support this show, one of the easiest, most painless ways in the world you can do that with no out-of-pocket cost, do your online shopping starting at it, tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. You start your shopping there no matter what you buy, whether it's something I recommend or not. You will help us out with the work that we do. Today's item of the day is from my favorite value brand electronics provider, Anker, A-N-K-E-R. This is the Soundcore Life P2 wireless earbuds. These compare very well to like $150 AirPods. They compare well to that, and they sell for about 40 bu- 45 bucks, 49 bucks day to day in and out. They're on sale right now, $34.98, 25, 24% off the regular price. They're a deal at full price, so they're really a deal at $34.98. I know some of you guys are super audiophiles, and you can hear minute differences. In, in, so, the sound on these things to me is amazing. Uh, whether I'm listening to music or podcasts or anything like that, they have a huge battery life. They just work, and they work well every single time. My son, who's a pretty big into music and stuff like that, these are the exact same ones he uses. He's totally sold on them. And so to me, if you were going to buy something like AirPods versus these, you hate money because you're throwing away 80 120 bucks somewhere in that range, depending on what you would buy. You're just throwing it away because you're buying something that's not any better. Oh, by the way, the, the anchor ones come in black instead of white, so you don't look like a bad scene out of something about Mary. I'm just saying, you guys with the white AirPods, have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror? Have you ever? Anyway, if you want to get these guys, just go to tspaz.com and look at the most recent reviews. You can find everything that I recommend, and it, it, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. It's December. Christmas is coming. I don't think anybody who listens to podcasts or music would be unhappy if they got these in their stocking from you for Christmas. And they're very affordable. And again, you can help us out no matter what you eventually buy at tspaz.com. And some of you have asked if I'm going to put out a list of 
items that I think make good gifts out of the T-SPAS catalog. I'm trying to get that done for you this week so you have time to get your orders in before we get too close to the big old December 25th day. Uh, on that, remember, I will be shutting down for about two weeks during the Christmas vacation period. We will have rewinds for you, just kind of putting that on your radar because I'm going to be spending a lot more time with those grandkids and my wife during that downtime. That's my big thing that I do every year. With that, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Tomorrow will be a Just Jack show. What about? I don't have any idea. I really don't. I might go back into uh, the Four Pillars series because we need to talk about perennials and like local hunter-gatherer knowledge, those other two pillars yet. I might do some current events, though I don't really care what's going on out there right now. This time of year, I try to focus just on me and my family and you guys, my audience. I don't know. If you have something you would love for me to talk about tomorrow, deep dive into... Email me, Jack, at thesurvivalpodcast.com, TSPC, in the subject line, and say, hey, you big jerk, why don't you talk about fill-in-the-blank tomorrow? Don't put fill-in-the-blank, actually fill-in-the-blank. With that's been Jack Spearco with another edition of The Survival Podcast. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.